This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Sakasana United Methodist Church, February 18th, 2024. The message is, the third day, Mary Magdalene, based on John 20, 11 to 18. It's good to be with you today. Would you join me as I pray? Oh God, we long for you. We long for your love. We long for your words. We long for your presence. We long for what makes our lives whole. So God, send us your Holy Spirit. Help us to see, and feel, and hear and experience your presence with us this morning. Open our hearts and minds to the movement of the Holy Spirit so we can hear what you have to share with us today. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to begin with a quiz, and it's not a joke, I want to make that clear up front. Um, my children reminded me last Sunday after the service that um, it's not really a joke if people only laugh when you remind them that it was a joke. So um, this is a serious quiz that uh, tests your Bible knowledge, okay? So please listen carefully to these words that I'm going to tell you and see what they have in common, okay? Uh, first, Abraham and Isaac. Second, the Israelites, the Abraham and Isaac in Mount Horeb. Okay, that was first. Second, the Israelites and Moses in Mount Sinai. See what they have in common. Third, Hosea, the prophet Hosea. Fourth, Jonah, the prophet Jonah. What they have in common. Lastly, King Hezekiah. What do you think they have in common? I have a gift for the person who provides the right answer, and the nine o'clock worshipers, um, they didn't get it. So it's your turn. It's your chance. Um, do you know what they have in common? I know it's not an easy uh, question. The answer is, they all have in, they all have in common with third day. The third day. In Genesis 22, Abraham, Abraham and Isaac journeyed to Mount Horeb, where Abraham intended to sacrifice his son Isaac. I know it sounds crazy, but on the third day of their arrival at the mountain, Isaac was spared from death because God stopped Abraham. In Exodus 19, the Israelites reached 
Mount Sinai. On the third day, God Moses, God met Moses and descended upon the mountain in glory and power. And the people of Israel encountered Yahweh, the God, and they were spared from perishing. In the book of Hosea, the prophet conveyed the people's anticipation of God's actions, ex expressing the belief. It says, after two days, God will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. In the book of Jonah, the prophet was in the belly of big, big fish, as the story goes. And when was he delivered, you know? On the third day, he was delivered. When King Hezekiah was sick, he asked the Lord to be spared from death. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Listen, I've heard your prayers and saw your cries. I will heal you. And I will make you go to the house of the Lord on the third day. That's the voice that Hezekiah heard from the Lord. So you see the pattern here? There's an interesting connection between three days reference and God's action, especially the act of God's salvation and deliverance. And most importantly, we know that this pattern of third day deliverance culminates in the New Testament. Where? Exactly. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus himself taught his disciples multiple times before his crucifixion, on the third day, Jesus arose from the dead, from the grave, and he overcome the death in accordance with the scriptures. As we know, today is the first Sunday in Lent. We just began the 40-day journey of Lent as we observed Ash Wednesday a couple of days ago. So some of you might wonder why I'm talking about the third day, the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't it too early to think about it? Each year during Lent, we are invited to take time of preparation, reflection, and self-discovery as we uh, thought about this past Wednesday, you know, that was... Uh, my message, uh, it's a journey of looking in the mirror. Lent is indeed a solemn journey of meditating, especially meditating on Jesus' passion and compassion for the world and how he brought the hope of salvation for the world through his death and resurrection. However, there's a lesson we often forget and neglect as we live out this season of spiritual renewal, and that is, every day is a little Easter. Every Sunday is a little Easter, as Reformationist Martin Luther noted. That's why Sundays are not counted towards the 40-day journey of Lent. Sunday serves as a weekly reminder of the joy, hope, and transformation brought about by the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. The question is, do we really see and experience 
the significance of celebrating Easter and living the resurrection each week throughout the year. Don't we limit this celebration to just an hour worship on Easter Sunday until the day comes back next year? This year, I want to invite you to approach this Lenten journey in a little different way. As we mark on the new sermon series, The Third Day, Living the Resurrection, based on Tom Berlin's book, which is also the curriculum for our Lenten Soup Supper starting this Wednesday. We will trace the journey of five biblical figures who experience the resurrection through their encounters with Jesus Christ. While remaining true to the meaning of land, I would, I would like us to take this as a spiritual exercise of celebrating and embracing each Sunday as a little Easter. Friends, can you imagine each Sunday bringing us to a story of resurrection? It's definitely easier said than done. When we chose this a Lenten theme, what immediately concerned me as a pastor, as a preacher, was, you know, this question. So after completing this uh, sermon series, what am I going to preach about, especially on Easter Sunday? But what excited me at the same time was this question. How could we, as a church, experience Easter after engaging in this exercise? How would God renew our hearts and minds when we make this celebration a weekly spiritual exercise during Lent by opening ourselves to the transforming power of resurrection? How could we experience Easter differently this year? For those witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, things changed. You know, things changed in the lives of Jesus' first followers after the resurrection of Jesus. They were offered new beginnings. Their hearts transformed from grief to joy, from fear to courage, from trauma to healing. And one of the biblical figures who experienced the transformative power of resurrection is Mary Magdalene, as we read from today's scripture, gospel lesson. And Mary Magdalene, perhaps she is one of the most famous and yet controversial, misunderstood women in the Bible. Throughout the Christian history, she has been labeled many titles. And there were many speculations about who she was and what she did and what her relationship with Jesus was. A lot of speculations and one of the Hollywood movies, The Da Vinci Code, kind of reinforced some cultural myth about uh, her identity. But those speculations don't match what's written in the Bible. They're, they're, they have no biblical evidence. Based on the descriptions of the Gospels only, there are two biblical facts we can say about Mary Magdalene with certainty. First, the Mary Magdalene was one of the women who followed Jesus and supported his ministry financially. Pay attention to this passage in Luke chapter 8. 
where Mary Magdalene is described as Mary called Magdalene. Actually, the Magdala is a town where she came from. And also says she is the Mary from whom seven demons had come out. So what these seven demons represent in the ancient Jewish society? During the Lenten study this Wednesday, the presenter, uh, Antoinette, will talk more about that. You will learn about what that means in the ancient society and what that would mean to us today. You know, whether we read it as an actual evil spirit or more of symbolic of what's in her life that was destructive enough to keep her in darkness, the truth is that Mary experienced the power of Jesus' resurrection. And her life that was once near death got resurrected by Jesus. And the transformation she had experienced led her to follow Jesus and support his ministry. The second fact about Mary Magdalene is that she was right there on the Golgotha when Jesus, won, Jesus was on the cross. Not only that, but Mary was also the first witness to Jesus' resurrection. One thing that struck me based on this biblical description is that Mary was someone who faithfully thought the presence of Jesus faithfully. She did it more than anyone else in the gospel. When Jesus traveled from town to town delivering the good news, Mary traveled with Jesus, supporting him financially. As Jesus hung on the cross, Mary stood nearby when everybody else were scattered. After his death, when his disciples scattered and hid, Mary still stayed close to Jesus and watch as his body was placed in a tomb. What's most striking is that Mary, not the apostles, was the very first witness to Jesus' resurrection. He was one who saw Jesus resurrected for the first time. And this isn't a mere accident. As we read from today's Gospel lesson, Mary is someone who actively seeks the presence of Jesus. That's why she wanted to go to the tomb and anoint his body. However, when she arrived, the tomb was empty. And she was thinking, so, you know, his body was taken away by someone. Where is Jesus? You know, he, she gets panicked and begins crying in the garden. And that's when she hears a voice calling her by name, Mary. She encounters the resurrected Jesus. You know, Mary was never named as one of the apostles in the gospel. Ironically, what the gospel reveals is that she was the apostle, apostle to the apostles, charged with sharing the good news that became the foundation of Christian faith. She was the apostle to the apostles. I believe Mary Magdalene poses a crucial question to all of us today as we seek the exercise of celebrating and embracing the power of resurrection. As we indeed seeking the presence of Jesus faithfully, are we 
indeed seeking the presence of Jesus faithfully. I want to invite you to answer this question yourself. Am I seeking God's presence in my journey with the, all the twists, turns, ups and downs? Am I seeking the presence of Jesus, not as a re last result, but as the first constant choice? Friends, if God's presence is the destination, I believe a faithfulness is the fuel, gas, that leads us there. Certainly our faithfulness falls short. You know, we, we uh, run out of gas when we face life challenges. And God knows it. God understands it. Even when we seek the presence of Christ, we may not always feel His presence. And sometimes... When, you know, we find ourselves mentally, spiritually dull and, and flat, our emotions fluctuate depending on our, our life circumstances. Seeking God's presence may feel like something you have to accomplish, like out of a sense of obligation. In his book, Everything Belongs, Rich, Richard Rohr reminds us that it's not the case. He writes, quote, we cannot attain the presence of God because we are already totally in the presence of God. What's absent is awareness. God is maintaining us in existence with every breath we take, unquote. So this spiritual awareness changes the way we understand how, what it means to seek God's presence and what hinders us from being aware of God's presence in our everyday life. You know, it's not about God. It's not about what's happening in our life. It's not about others. It's about me. It's about me. I can be the single most significant hindrance to being aware of God's presence. The truth is, if Christ lives in me, I'm always in His presence. What's absent is my awareness. Now, the question becomes then, how we cultivate the awareness? How do we cultivate the awareness of Jesus' presence in the present? Because we're almost always somewhere else, not in the present, but reliving the past or worrying about the future. St. Augustine, a renowned 4th century Christian theologian and philosopher, wrote a book called Confessions. Before his con conversion to Christian faith, Augustine uh, lived a life marked by worldly pursuits and moral failures. One day he was in garden in Milan, struggling with his inner turmoil and seeking a deeper connection. He was sitting under a fig tree and heard a child voice chanting, Take up and read. Take up and read. And listening to this voice, he looked for the Bible 
and open it. And the passage he read was Romans chapter 13, verses 13 through 14, which reads, Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, the scripture spoke directly to his heart, leading him to a moment of deep awareness and surrender to the Lord. In this moment, Augustine realized that God's presence had been with him all along, even in his wayward pursuits. You know, the, the, the shift was not in God's proximity. God was always had been alone. The shift was not in God's proximity, but in Augustine's awareness of that proximity. Friends, every time you feel separated from God, every time you feel God is absent, every time you find yourself living and acting and believing as if God is dead and you know God is no longer with you, reclaim the truth. Reclaim the truth. If you are in Jesus Christ, you're always in his presence. Ask God, Lord, I want to seek the presence of Jesus. Help me. I trust that you received this paper um, as you enter the worship sanctuary. Uh, it says the 20 ideas to transform uh, your faith during, during Lent. If you haven't received it, it's, it's available in the back of the sanctuary. Um, as you're looking at this, maybe some of you might thought, oh, I'm not going to do this. This is not my thing. Maybe uh, you have never done some of these exercises in your life before, and that's okay. And there may be something you wouldn't normally do as a Christian. But these are the exercises not only to transform our faith, but also to cultivate our awareness of the presence of Christ within us. Again, seeking the presence of Christ consistently is not a duty, but a joyful journey that transforms our soul. Don't take these exercises as, uh, like a, as if you were uh, keeping the law. Don't take this exercise in a legalistic way, but as a way of expressing your love toward Jesus. You know, you can do things you wouldn't normally do for someone you love. As we begin this season of Lent, I invite you to hear the gospel according to Mary Magdalene and see how amazing our God is. How could once demon-possessed woman become the first witness to Jesus' resurrection. It was simply by the grace of God. And it was simply because Mary had been present with Jesus all along. She thought the presence of Jesus faithfully, no matter what she experienced. Good news is that what was true of Mary is true for each of us today, friends. We all need the presence of Jesus. We all need to grow and cultivate the presence of Jesus in our lives.
Friends, Lent called us to journey with Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day, following him wherever he leads us. Will you join me in seeking the presence of Jesus faithfully and consistently during this Lenten season? So that we may discover God's grace in every step of our journey. I hope and pray that you won't underestimate the quiet moments of seeking God's presence each day. Don't underestimate those moments. Those moments have the power to awaken your awareness, allowing you to see the presence of Jesus around you and tap into the power of resurrection, just as Mary Magdalene experience when facing life's loud and dark challenges. Friends, may you pursue the presence of Christ as faithful as Mary did and grow the awareness each day during this 40-day journey of spiritual renewal. Amen.